Now listening to Real Friends, a movie podcast. So, what happens now? I'm Emily. And I'm Madison. <laughs> and that's our song. Wow, I really thought that was going to end in a rhyme. Oh, Madison. <laughs> yep. So anyway, um, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> Good, I have my spritz. So if you hear this sound, there's a bug in my spritz. <laughs> there's a, there's a bug in my spritz. <laughs> Hold on, let me get, get this fucker get out. out. Hold on. With your finger. Fucking sons of bitches. Shit. There's a bug in my spritz. <laughs> Got him. Good. Okay. Bye-bye. <clears throat> Anyways, hello. Hi. This this is a podcast. It is a podcast. It's a movie podcast and boy, have we seen some movies. I think you have too. We've seen some we've seen some shit since the last time we've talked to each other. Heck yeah, we heckin' have. What have you seen? I know. Should we start with Stranger Things season four? Thank you so much yeah. for just jump into the. You gotta. Yes. Okay. I'm so pleased with Stranger. I have watched Stranger Things for two times all the way through, and it came out uh, approximately ten days ago. Yeah, good. What are your thoughts? Did you like it? I really like this season. It's like my favorite season. And then I have a question for you. Hit did me. you make your? Did you curate your own? Vecna anti-Vecna playlist was that what yes I you what did you put on it besides ABBA thank you so much for asking yes I made us a good uh, idea thank you uh also shout out to our real friend Austin who asked me for the link (laughs) thank you Austin to this Austin shout out later (laughs) thank god yeah so I made a playlist called songs that would save me from Vecna so it's only bops only things you could really like run to you know, like the beat is enough to be like, oh, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. It's, it's, it's real. Maybe we can share the link of so everyone can see my ridiculous, but maybe we should make it like um, a shared. Yeah. I'll follow this too. So people can add. Pump up. Yeah. They're uh, the songs that would save them from Vecna, but okay. We won't, I know we have more to talk about, but I will just say Stranger Things season four plays into the genre of today's episode very well. It does. Because what a fucking twist. I did not. I saw some of it coming, but I did not see all of it coming. Agre- yeah, agreed. Same, same. Um, that will we, say for no spoilers. It's so fun. I will also rewatch it that season because it's so fun. And I love, you know, I like a dark, like gory, creepy kind of deal. And this is everything I, it's everything. It's everything I wanted. <laughs> everything. That's the playlist. That's on the playlist. Is it actually on the playlist? If not, we should add it. Yeah, tell me what to do now. Yes, so good. But you have watched a lot of things. So what else have I've you watched? Two top things. They are movies. The first one, I watched The Northman, and I'm going to wait and save all my commentary on The Northman to talk to you about until after you watched it. Okay. Okay. Next because episode. Obviously, Next I'm not going to talk about it if you haven't seen it. That'd be really inconsiderate. Um, second up, 
I watched yesterday in theaters with my friends, Top Gun Maverick, and boy, what a movie. <laughs> it's so good. It's like, it's just, it's just a blockbuster film. It's every, it's everything on it. It's so like everything about it is good. That whole playlist. And who picked up my friend Rachel? Hi, Rachel. And uh from her house to the movie theater, which is probably about like 10 to 15 minute drive. We just listened to Danger Zone on repeat the entire time. And I was like, by the way, we're not changing it. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. Of course. Yeah, yeah that's okay. <laughs> so I'm Top so Gun glad. Maverick, so good. I have not seen Top Gun yet, but I have seen the gif of Miles Teller rolling oh. his body on the beach enough to probably equate to the length of a feature length film. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that like we're in context of the movie, we're like, what move is that? And how do I learn it? Like that good for him. He looks good with a tan with his like little frosted hair and his little mustache is so cute. Yeah, his little stash. He has always his little been stash so sweet. Yeah. He's always been cute, but I feel like just because we just so recently watched mm-hmm. Whiplash, what a fucking glow up from so different Whiplash. So to different. Top Gun. Agreed. My God, I'm so <laughs> glad you liked it though. That seems to be the general consensus. I mean, listen, Tom Cruise uh, never misses. I love, I love Tom Cruise. We, we simply do. love him. We also my rewatch. Speaking of Tom Cruise, rewatched a War of the Worlds because <laughs> I just like that Perfect. movie. And I, that I wa- we watch it for Dakota Fanning though. Did we talk about this already? We watch it for yeah, her. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so many good. Also, there's so much. Whoa, you know what comes out this weekend, which we haven't even talked about because I don't think we care about it. What? Fucking the last Jurassic movie. Oh yeah, I watched the trailer for that in the the movie theater. The did amount of effort it rant about the title of it. Yes, you did. Okay, good. Again, it should be. It should be. <laughs> Jurassic World domination. It should be, but they said it was Dominion. Jurassic World. No, I like my version better. Universal, hit me up. Universal, call us. I do just feel like it literally took active effort for them to make people not care about a Jurassic movie that brings back the original cast. Yeah. Speaking of. Jurassic World. <laughs> oh my god. Dominion. Let's get into some of the uh of the let's get into the genre of this week. <laughs> there actually <laughs> is a through line. There is an actual transition that we're I'm actually making go with that. I, go, I'll get to it, it, but let's start. Let's start by Madison. I want you to introduce mm-hmm. this week's uh this genre. And tell me, tell me a little bit about some examples that you have. Okay. So Emily, this week, we're bringing it back to the basics. We're reeling it in, right? We've gone full exposition on, on some recent themes here, but we're bringing it back to basis and Jesus, we're bringing it back to (laughs) basics and we're talking about epic plot twists. More specifically, we're talking about plot twists you did not see coming. So there are a lot of great plot twists that maybe we knew they were coming. These are no. You did not no. know these were about to happen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, and every everyone loves everyone loves a plot twist. Yeah. I feel like that's like one of the biggest tools of storytelling and filmmaking. So 
And I love um, this genre too, Madison, because it's like you're you're specific. You say plot twist we did not see coming because there's so many movies where there's a plot twist that like you can see coming a mile away. It like follows that basic formula. And those aren't often very fun. Sometimes they totally are, which I enjoy. But I like this one because it's unexpected. Totally. Yes. Here's a question though. Based on what you just said, is there anything you can think of that's a plot twist that you guessed off the top of your head? Yeah. From any movie? Yeah. Like one that maybe a lot of people is like, what a twist. And you were like, I don't know if a lot of people have seen this movie, but so I went to go to a screening when we were back at our old job, the movie Old Boy. I don't know if it's based off, I think, a Korean movie. Marilyn, our real friend Marilyn was like, oh, cover the screening. And Mar- it's Marilyn's fault. Marilyn, I love you. But Marilyn said, oh, the first time I watched like the like the foreign film of this, like it totally blew my mind. The twist is crazy. So your girl went in looking for no a way. plot twist in it. And I found it and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so I found that out like middle, like pretty early on. And I was proud of myself, but also sad at myself because if I went into that movie not knowing there was a twist, I would have never seen it coming, and I would have been like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" That's just oh one God, example at the to top of top of my head. The new movie it's with I believe Josh Brolin and Elizabeth Olsen, so Thanos and Scarlet Witch. Um, sure. So, but Madison, what's an example that you have? Because I feel like it's going to be really good. I don't. I don't think. I'll talk about it a little bit when we get to today's movie okay. a little bit, but okay. I don't think I'm very good at guessing plot twists. I think I get like, I think I'd like to maybe think that I am or when a plot twist happens that sometimes I'll be like, yeah, of course, but like, I don't, I don't think that my specialty is guessing mm-hmm. what's coming for sure. But that's good um, for the filmmaking, like the the film like experience though. Like that's good that you're watching it just for what it is instead of like nitpicking at it and trying to guess and being distracted the whole time. Yeah, I want to be immersed. I have yeah. another question for you. What is a plot twist that you were most upset about being spoiled for you? Fucking the sixth sense. <laughs> yes, of course. In fucking 50 first From 50 dates, first dates. The only answer. <laughs> the only answer. I, can you imagine? Everybody has the same example. Yeah. Everyone just yelled fucking the sixth sense with 50 first dates. Can you imagine being able to have seen and experienced that movie authentically? It would have been amazing. Speaking of which, Marilyn again had that example in her user submission. So again, we're, we're Marilyn heavy this, this top of this episode, which I love because I love Marilyn. We but, love Marilyn. Yeah. What are some examples you have of movies, movie plot For lists? myself? Yeah. For myself. Okay, I have a couple. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very happy that a couple people also had some overlap mm-hmm. uh, with these answers in the user submissions. But number one that I love because I do typically recommend this movie to people. And I love watching this movie with people if they're seeing it for the first time. The Others. Yeah. Fun one. That is a really fun movie to show people because you don't, you do not see that coming. Exactly. No idea. Same, same uh, kind of thing. Uh, A little bit different. The Prestige. Oh, yeah. Hugh Jackman. Very good. Like that was a fun one where you're like, there's something coming, but it's something very unexpected. I'm like, I didn't know that was possible, but I'm here for it. Um, Yeah. And then two of my fun answers. So Daryush and Austin also had this in their user submission. Crazy Stupid Love. I watched it again the other day and we talked about it a little bit. But yeah, like I was, because it's a movie that you're not expecting to have a plot twist in. Wait. Yet there is one. Wait. Okay. This is, 
I'm so glad we mentioned Crazy Stupid Love. <laughs> I did guess Crazy Stupid Love. That's I good. guessed, but let me tell you why. I guessed that Hannah was the daughter because, sorry, spoilers. Uh, the twist in like Crazy years. Stupid Love is they call her Nana. So yeah. you think you're talking about it, but her name is Hannah. And mm-hmm. then she shows up. But I guessed that shit because when I was little, I used to call my sister Hannah Nana. That's cute. So it was built in Hannah. Hannah. The name Hannah also feeds into our later movie, but continue. Um, And then lastly, because I just watched this again the other day, the new Stepford Wives movie. I have two Nicole Kidman movies on this list. Incredible. (laughs) Um, But like, again, not spoiler. It's been out for a long time. The new one, it's like very silly. I love watching that movie. I don't know why it's such a big comfort movie for me, but the very end where it's actually Glenn Close, who is the mastermind and not Christopher Walken, like what? Um, so those are my fun topical examples, but I want to hear some of yours and then we can get into more of what other people have written in about. That is such a (laughs) fucking random. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go classic first and I'm going to start my list with the usual suspects. I feel like that is like quintessential top of the list, best movie plot twists ever and that's one that you don't see coming nobody fucking guessed the kevin spacey no. if you think you guessed it you're lying right and they paired there was in, no in one, of, in one of the scary movies too <laughs> where we the guy who's scary playing movie reference the guy who's playing like dewey from scream <laughs> he does that or he's actually just done and walks away at the end underrated works of genius the scary Agreed. movies mm-hmm. um Another one I got on my list. How about any Jordan Peele movie, right? We get a great plot twist and Get Out. We get a great plot twist in Us. Both of those surprised me. I, w- I didn't expect either I liked, of those. I really liked Get Out. That yeah, was a good I one. Not. Mm-hmm. Allison Williams is a bad lady. Um, <laughs> uh, probably my favorite plot twist, maybe of all time, because it's at the beginning of the movie, Hereditary. Yeah. Because we were sold that movie that we had a main character and that is not the case. I also just remember, I think we've talked about this in the podcast before, but I remember reading a review of Hereditary that had to be one of the most buzzy reviews uh, like anyone's ever written that was like, I wish I could go back to a time before I saw this movie so that I could watch the movie again. And then just said like, no movie has ever had a plot twist in the first 10 minutes of the movie and hereditary did it it's so good what about up yeah that's (laughs) surprisingly similar films hereditary and up same same but different yeah madison and emily's uh film school uh we'd like to write a thesis on yeah up up and hereditary both about kids both Um, (laughs) houses little houses (laughs) that's about it that's it that's a that's a a solid five paragraph essay we got our three points and we got our intro and our conclusion that's good we're good yeah for sure we could throw in some good vocabulary but anyways that said let's jump into the user submissions because there are some really good ones kick it off and laugh well, going back to my earlier transition, speaking of Jurassic World, <laughs> Dominion, but different, um, 
Kelsey Corner, Kelsey's Corner, she submitted <laughs> Jurassic World 2 as the a plot, plot twist, twist that it was a really bad coming. movie. The plot twist, which I'll give you a quick quote. She was like, we watched a movie recently. She's like, what, what movie were we watching? They were like, it was like action movie. I was like, I don't know. What was it? She's like, I don't know. They're like clones. And I was thinking about it and I just went, is it Jurassic World 2 and 2? Was, That's it. <laughs> Wait, I clone. don't think it's the clone of it all. I don't think I finished Jurassic World 2. What's the ending? <laughs> the, the, the young girl in it is a clone of the old guy's daughter. And he keeps saying, it was your mom, but it was actually her. Oh. Um, it's okay. Next up, your turn. Let's <laughs> let's get one from you. So Jurassic World 2, Kelsey's Corner. Thank you. <laughs> Next one, ditto, submitted by our pal Armand over at the Syndicate podcast, submitted Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Yes, Armand. And I'd like to think that he did that because we talked about Hereditary. Of course. On our episode is- on Syndicate, on The Witch. Go listen to it solid another obvious submission that i didn't think of so thank you for people to, for putting this in shutter island of course so that was submitted by rachel p lucy and kind of matt but matt wrote <laughs> matt wrote shitter island on accident which i would like to think is like a really really weird niche offshoot offshoot of uh shutter island so i don't want to know classic oinks <laughs> classic oinks uh shitter island but yeah <laughs> and I was like did you mean to write that and he goes no <laughs> classic typo am I right ladies <laughs> next up this is a really good one I feel like this is an underrated plot twist uh submitted by Daniela and Alexa remember me the only reason that movie stands the test of time is because what a fucking plot twist you just think you're watching a love story and then all of a sudden it's 9-11 <laughs> Um, this is a funny one in Daryush, our, our real friend Daryush. He mentioned specifically, I, I like the context, but he said when uh, when Megan Fox is actually not the one stealing from the store, the boutique. And Daryush, clarification, you wrote funny people, but I believe that movie is This Is 40. So please DM us if that is correct. I believe it is. But I also agree great plot twist you didn't even see it coming you just assumed she was stealing from that place because she's a hot babe yeah and Daryush, you, know you fucked Sorry. up no i feel comfortable roasting Daryush because the other day he called me an emma stone knockoff <laughs> Daryush, we have to have a talk anyway Daryush. what's next madison <laughs> next up uh, a classic of course and as you mentioned submitted by marilyn and i think a couple other people the sixth sense yeah but when it first came out Specifically, Marilyn's commentary because (laughs) we all know because of the famous line, I can't believe it. Bruce Willis is a ghost. Fuck you, Drew Barrymore. Thanks, Drew Barrymore, for nothing. Uh, Except for that was an amazing movie. We do love Fifty First Dates. Um, And then my my last one that I want to put out there, which I really enjoyed, submitted by Rachel T and Megan Frozen. Fucking Frozen, dude. Frozen. Fuck you, Hans. He frozen. Yeah, Hans was a good plot twist. I did really not good know. Plot twist. He listen, Hans is like the OG gaslighter. Yes. Fuck off, dude. Anyway, great submissions. Anyways. Very happy about all these. But Madison, tell us about the movie we're watching today. Let's go. 
Today, we are talking about what I think is one of our great cinematic plot twists and what I think is just one of our great pieces of cinema. I love this movie so much. Uh, And what we are talking about is the 2016 masterpiece, Arrival. Arrival is a 2016 science fiction film that follows linguistics professor Louise Banks as she joins a team of scientists and military personnel when 12 alien spaceships touch down on Earth. As nations teeter on the verge of global war, Banks and her crew must race against time to find a way to communicate with the extraterrestrial visitors. There it is. This movie is directed by my boyfriend, Denny Villeneuve, starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, and Michael Stolberg. And I love it so much. But to kick things off, Emily, I want to hear a little bit about your history with this movie. When did you first see it? What did you think? Hit me. Watched it. Did we watch this in theaters together? Maybe. Maybe. I feel like we might have, right? With 2016? Yeah, chances are high. I reckon. Uh, yeah, because I was still in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon. Uh, the first time I watched it, mind-blowing. That was the only time I watched it. So haven't seen it since. Yeah, I only watched it that one time. And then re-watching it now, I was watching it and was like, I realize I know nothing. I remember nothing. I remember very little about this movie. I remember like bits and pieces of it. And then when it started coming back to me, I was like, okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Did you remember the twist or was the twist like, did you get to like kind of retwist the twist? I remember the twist like halfway through and I was like, oh, that's right. Okay. That's what it was. Okay. Got it. Yes. Um, And I'm sure we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I don't, (laughs) at the very end, I saw it was directed by Denny Villeneuve and I was like, oh, that son of a bitch, Madison, she got me. Yeah, I tricked you. Yeah, you got me. Um, yeah. I love Amy Adams too. I'm just going to throw that out there. She's incredible. Hearing her talk about this movie is incredible. And I just feel like for some reason, I've never fully appreciated Amy Adams. And I maybe came to that realization today when I was like fully digging in and doing mm-hmm. research. She is one of our great actors. What's your favorite Amy Adams movie? Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh, have you seen, wait, have you seen Drop Dead Gorgeous? No. Oh my, Emily. I haven't even what heard of it. A, I am to the so list. pleased. What you are about, you are in for a, first of all, Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Alley. Oh. Down. Beauty pageant. There's murder. It's hilarious. Down. You had me at. Amy Adams. <laughs> and it's Amy Adams' like first role. She's like still blonde in it. It's great. So just, anyway, I said it as a joke because it's like her first role and she's like 19 <gasps> and plays like a weird cheerleader, like side character. Um, but anyways, great movie. But no, in actuality, probably Arrival is my favorite okay. Amy Adams role. What's yours? Enchanted. <laughs> sure. Yes. I was watching she's an so interview. Ugh. Yeah, with her and Denny Vinoev. And she was talking about this movie and she said, fuck, halfway through the interview. And then she went like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then she was like, wait, why am I sorry? And then yeah. she was like, God, every time I curse in public, I turn into Giselle and I forget that I'm a human being so who can cute. curse. <laughs> also, also her in Sharp Objects, the HBO series. Very good. Yes. Yes. Would She's recommend. really good. She does not miss besides Nocturnal Animals. But that's just because I hate Didn't that. watch it. Yeah, I don't want to watch that. But Yes don't like but yeah she's so good i i feel like while we're here i would just also like to say because this is a point of contention between you and me jeremy redder is so good so what's your experience like 
with this. I don't know. I just, I only know Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, which I think is silly. And I know that I think he was like also filming, I think, Captain America Civil War at the same time as Arrival. I think it could have been like, it could have been any other actor. But you know what? Could- I'm not, but he didn't do it. Ba- no, he did a great job though. I'm not yeah. saying he did a bad job. I'm just like, totally. Hey, it's no. not a standout role. And maybe it wasn't written like that. Maybe because it's like, maybe the focus wasn't. Sir. Chill. Maybe the focus, it's, it's the fly that was in your drink. <laughs> it's <was> fucking rude. <laughs> so rude. Um, anyway, that was my end of my shot. My, my shot, my thought. My thought. No, I, I mostly just brought that up because when Hawkeye, the show came out, I texted Emily and I said, it's weird that I haven't noticed this, but Jeremy Renner's kind of hot. And Emily, first of all, disagreed. But second of all, maybe got like a little mad. <laughs> got a little mad. To kick things off talking about Arrival, it's important to mention at the top of this that this is based off of a short story, a brilliant short story called Stories of Our Lives by Ted Chang. I, if, if you haven't read this, Stories of Our Life and Others uh, is actually a collection of short stories. The whole thing is great, but this, this um, the one that Arrival is specifically based off of is a really wonderful short story. Highly recommend to anyone who would like to read. Emily, have you read? Mm-mm. Uh, in my life, yes, but I haven't read uh, that specific <laughs> short story. Good clarification. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I meant the former. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> when this short story came out, so kind of was some some background as to how this movie got made. This short story came out and was a big deal. People really, really loved it. And so kind of immediately there were people who were like, okay, this needs to be a movie but it actually didn't happen for quite some time because everyone who read it was like, this has to be a story. Like this has to be something visual, but like how would anyone successfully be able to make this into a movie? Like it's so complicated, but so simple. Like there's just no way to visually tell the story in two hours. And there's a really great quote from the screenwriter who ended up writing the screenplay for a rival, uh, Eric Heiser, who said, I was completely shattered, completely broken when I finished this book. And then I sat down and said, how can I torture a larger audience with this story? (laughs) Um, So the story is so sad. It's so like heartbreaking and upsetting. But um, he did end up, of course, writing the screenplay for this movie. And simultaneously, Denis Villeneuve was somewhere also reading this short story. And he read it and he was just like, oh, what a great movie this would be I have no idea how I would do it um and so he kind of just like put it aside and then eventually the two of them were connected and um and then Denny Villeneuve was able to bring Amy Adams on board and the rest is history but um of of course this this story is so good the plot twist is so epic but I think like looking at the bare bones of it like can you imagine how hard this was probably to make into a movie like how complicated it was to puzzle piece together, like right. the circular timeline of all of it. Plus like making sure that like every like emotion and moment was right. And then also Amy Adams is playing someone who we think has already been through something terrible, but she hasn't yet. Mm-hmm. Like, so but she can also hop around in time because she has right. that ability. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And she had to like build this character that made sense that, she had this demeanor without having what we think is lost a child so that the plot twist doesn't, isn't given away. And all of it is just like so complex and like, just so 
perfectly done. It yeah. feels so and, like perfectly detailed. And it's sad because adding on to that, you know, I love a good uh, awards corner. So for the Academy Awards, this was nominated for eight categories, nominated in eight categories. Uh, it won for best sound editing because of course, amazing sound editing. But I was so bummed that they didn't get uh, they didn't win best editing because I think a lot of what has to do with that storytelling is the editing and how complex is it to edit a movie where time is circular and not linear and you're trying like as the viewer to like be not it's not it is a trick it's like a tw- it's a twist so like you're they're editing it editing it editing <laughs> they're editing it to perfection <laughs> like it's so hard to do. Yeah, 100%. I think, no, I agree with you that that seems like an award. I wonder what it lost to, but this, I feel like every person's job on this movie must have been so hard. And an editor, I think, is a great example because you're telling a story about someone who starts perceiving time in a nonlinear manner, but not only are you telling that story as and to a species that only experiences time in a linear manner, but you're also telling it in a medium where you only have two hours to tell a movie from start to finish, which is linear. They must've just been like, that must've mind fucked them so hard to try and be perceiving the story they were telling that way. I, I think in the, the mind fuck realm of this and, and it getting over complicated, there's another really great quote from the screenwriter who said, you can't over clarify or oversimplify you can't have a mountain of exposition. We didn't want a $40 million TED talk or to talk down to our audience. So it was about doing our best to preserve the telling of a story that was basically two plus two and not saying four. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that great? And I love that because the, the, like, the heart of the story, just like we talk about, this is what you and I love about movies, is like an, an overcomplicated, very grand setting with like a very very simple heart Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the heart of this movie is so simple and it's just love and loss and like choosing to rather love and lose than have not loved at all so we're getting fucking deep we're not even that we're not even halfway through arrival arrival is so good can i start really quick with my best joke please please um do you know what the sequel to arrival is what it's the departed <laughs> it's my best in the work my best in only based off titles not not the actual subject or context of the movie i really wished though that amy adams had been like the viewer for me a character in the department yes! because it would have you imagine so- the memes incred incredible my god uh but i could also- see it same universe <laughs> To add very quickly, uh, if you want to know what won the Academy Awards that year for best editing, Hacksaw Ridge. Fuck you. That actually makes me mad. I feel I'd like to say it's unfair. I don't feel good. I don't feel good about that. You know how I feel about Hacksaw Ridge. (laughs) Yeah, that movie is a piece. Listen, we love Andrew Garfield, but that movie is a violent. (laughs) It's a war movie. (laughs) Pile of poopy poo. Oh, man. Another, I think, really fun thing to talk about, and, and kind of to that, that last quote from, from our screenwriter friend, Eric, a lot of what's happening is based in areas of linguistics or of science that we as people walking down the street might not know. But I think what the movie does really well is it 
it tells us exactly what we need to know again, like he said, without talking down to us. Mm-hmm. And I think the best scene that does this is a really fun story because this scene actually happened on accident. And originally what he had written into the script is he had sequences of Louise teaching the aliens, the heptapods, all of these words. So we see walk, right? We see like Ian walks, but it was him. It was her teaching him like all of these kindergarten words. And the studio was like, uh, explain this to me, like explain why they need to know this. This is really boring. Like this isn't good filmmaking. Um, and he was like, well, he needs to do this. And then he got out a whiteboard and he wrote because they need to get to this sentence. What is your purpose on earth? And then he essentially did to the studio what Amy Adams does in the movie, which is breaks down the sentence. What is your purpose on earth? So then they need to understand a question. They need to understand pronouns. They need to understand location. They need to understand every basis of a noun and the construction of a sentence. And they were like, just make that the scene. Like exactly what you just did, just write that into the movie. And I do think that's one of the best scenes because it shows them having not an overcomplicated scientific conversation, but it tells us everything we need to know about the work that they're doing, whether we understand it or not. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I love that scene so much. And it's even as an audience member watching it, even leading up to that, I was following along very well, I thought. Mm -hmm. But even when she broke it down, like, I think that's what you need in a movie. And it's not like overt exposition. It's just her literally. And it's exactly what she does with the extraterrestrials. That's exactly what she's trying. That's the point of what she's trying to do. And I love that they're treating the audience like they kind of are with the extraterrestrials. Like they're showing the audience communication is important and here's why. And to add to that too, I love her little analogy about the kangaroo, like the translation of the kangaroo story and just to reiterate what it is in the movie. Um, She's trying to explain, well, you know, we need to know what they're saying in order to like understand because when the aborigine or when uh like captain cook came to australia they met aboriginal the aboriginal people and they said what is that and they said kangaroo but that means i don't know so they just called the animal a kangaroo because they thought that's what it meant and then uh, she reveals that story wasn't true but like she made it to make her point which i thought was really fun so again as the viewer I'm like, I'm understanding exactly what's going on with that kind of extra kind of like, it's not even dumbing it down. I think it's just making it more accessible to the, to all viewers is it makes that movie the best at what it's doing. It's teaching us a a difficult subject, but like making it better for us to understand. Right. Like the complexities of linguistics is probably so far beyond anything Mm -hmm. that we can even like comprehend the nature of without studying it. But like this movie makes it feel her work feels so accessible. And, but also without us thinking that any person would be qualified for doing the job she's doing, like mm-hmm. she makes it seem so basic, but like you, you're just watching her and you're like, yeah, like yeah. it's never unclear or unjustified that this is her story. Like right. she had to do this. And in the beginning too, they even say, oh, you're getting farther than the last guy got, you know, like her, her being the best person for the job and even her bringing the whiteboard out and them kind of making fun of her for it. She's like, no, this is, this is how I work. And it does work with them too. And then they actually start making progress after that. So it's like, she's an expert in her field, which leads me to my first question that I wrote down. Hit me. (laughs) 
how much money does she make for doing this job? <laughs> like, how, do you think they pay her or do you think they're like, it's your civic duty? You the government? To- yeah. That's a good question. I wonder, because she, they mentioned, Forrest Whitaker mentions that she already had top secrets, top secret clearance for another job. Mm-hmm. Probably, the government probably doesn't pay you or they probably pay you like a not exciting stipend and then they just compensate you for the work you missed, I bet. Right, right. I agree with that. But, but like, I bet she did not make. She's the ex- she's the top most expert in her field. Give her something yeah. to work with. Also, I feel like she doesn't need money. Her house is amazing. <laughs> I uh, want yeah, that house really, so bad. I have made so many references to the arrival house. You're looking at Airbnbs, and I'm like, oh, this one looks like the arrival. No one ever knows what I'm talking no. about, but I'm like, I, the I would get it. Arrival yeah. house. It's so good. Oh, looking at the lake. Um, Beautiful. Yes. There's. There's another part of the script that I do want to chat about really quick before we move on. And that's because I never knew it and I never thought to look it up when I watched the movie, which is what she says in Mandarin at the end of the movie to, yeah, oh, the president that's of China. Important. <laughs> yeah, never thought to look it up, but I we should have known because it's Daddy Villeneuve and she's actually speaking Mandarin that whatever she was saying was probably great. And so this is another story from the screenwriter that, he says, um, and we'll we'll get into Denny V. Nuev, but he just said that one day he got a call right before shooting was about to start. And he was like, hey, in the script, it just says speak. Ma-. She says something in Mandarin. Like, what does she say? And he was like, oh, like, I never thought about it. Let me think about it. He was like, no, I'm here with Amy Adams and the translator. She's teaching her what to say. Like, we need it now. And he was like, uh, OK. And so he started writing out like things he could say. And this is the most important line in the movie. If you think about it, it convinces the president of China. Right. To like save all of mankind, essentially. He's already like declared war on these extraterrestrials. Yes. And it has to be convincing enough that if he got a random call on his phone from a woman, he does not know in America. And she said a sentence to him. What, what would be compelling enough? So we know that it's his wife's dying words. So this is what she says in Mandarin. She says, in war, there are no winners, only widows. I just got chills. I know. And that's what, those were his, quote, his wife. That's it. She talked a long time. She spoke a lot of Mandarin. That's all that it went down to. (laughs) I guess what she says is she, like, explains who she is. Got it. And says, like, like, listen, here's what I have to say. And then she says, your wife's dying words were. That's so cool. And war, there are no winners, only widows. So I just thought that was interesting to learn because I never thought to look up what she was saying that changed it. But the the screenwriter said during the premiere, he was like sitting there. And when he sent that to Denny Vinuev, Denny Vinuev was like, I cannot tell you how much I love this <laughs> and like loved it so much. And so the screenwriter was really proud of it. And then when he got to the movie, he was like, the fucker didn't even put subtitles on. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, but I'm, I'm sure it's, it's meant to be mysterious and again in terms of communication like we don't know not everybody knows what that means some people will understand yeah. what that means and it's that's the beauty of it yeah subtitles would have felt wrong like we get one scene with subtitles in this movie yeah which yep. is when she's just straight up chatting with Costello yeah towards the end of the movie and and we're getting subtitles but those don't feel like exposition to me. Those don't feel mm-hmm. like they're over explaining everything, especially because 
we we're clearly having it translated by how she's reading the words that right. don't quite make sense. It's also important that she it shows us that she's understanding what they're saying fully, yeah. which means that the audience is understanding like and feeling what she is experiencing. So it's important for yeah. the story. Yeah. Totally. Can we talk about Denny V Nuev a little bit? Of course, Madison. <laughs> I have something to dive into with Denny. Okay. That I think you'll like. That's a new corner. Dive in with Denny. <laughs> Diving in with Denny. <laughs> Welcome to Diving in with Denny. I'm Madison Zimmerman, and this is my husband, Denny Villeneuve. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, it's no secret this guy is like one of my faves of all time. I also just, I mean, I, I truly love everything that he does, and I think that everything I love about Arrival is why I love him as a director. So I don't think this movie could have been as successful under someone else's tutelage. But something I think is interesting about this movie, well, one, important to note, I would consider Denny one of our like great sci-fi directors. This is his first sci-fi movie, right? So he did this, then he did Blade Runner, and then he did mm. Dune. So I think that's important to note. But I think the other really important thing to note here is I think this is Denny Villeneuve's most uplifting movie. <laughs> like, yeah. If you think about prisoners and sicario and blade runner like everything that he makes is so bleak but the ending of arrival is like really nice it's nice and i think the way that they describe the making of this movie it was like it's like how you're supposed to feel on a rainy day he has a really great term for what he calls this genre of sci-fi and he calls it dirty sci-fi yeah yeah, and I think you'll like this, that the what dirty sci-fi means to him is, like, you're not living in this grand alien invasion. Like, that's not where the movie starts. He pictures it as just, like, a dirty sci-fi means that it's an, a shitty weather Tuesday, and you're just on your way to school, and you're looking out the window, and you're kind of bummed, and then an alien invasion happens. But it mm-hmm. starts in kind of this just, like, gloomy, everyday space and that's what he wanted the entire movie to feel like is like you're the kid in the car witnessing an alien invasion and a tactic that i thought was really interesting you mentioned the whiteboard at the beginning of this movie and denny said that something that was really important to him was like that he they were not making anything impressive about humanity that wasn't there so he didn't want to give the humans any technology that didn't exist mm-hmm. And the military setup in this movie looks like really sparse. Like they have whiteboards and these clunky suits and they're intense. And there's only like two Jeeps that they all get in to ride to the site where they use like construction equipment to get up into the alien thing. And you're not really thinking about it as it's happening, but that is so much better when you're watching it than something that would be like a marvel setup that just wouldn't have fit in this film. Right. And I will add to that is I think it's actually very refreshing that we kind of get that take on it because obviously like exactly like a spritz. So it's, it's cool because normally when we have an alien invasion movie, it's, you know, mass panic everywhere, which we do get a sense of, of course, in this movie. And I do like the intro of Amy Adams being, you know, in class and there's like seven people in her class. And then there's like this world event is taking place which I thought was really fun. That was like, you know, car crashes. And of course, you know, there's traffic jams everywhere. Um, but I do think I love that she is... also had no idea. She was just like, welcome everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everyone, three people. Um, and they were like, I, uh... like, I don't really want to be here either and doing it for credit. Um, but 
no but she is also just an I feel bad for her too because I was like she's actually a really good teacher <laughs> fuck you guys um she's trying yeah, really so hard yeah. um I, I was like she lost a daughter and then later like, oh not yet um but <laughs> but it's sympathy it's, or attracted exactly but yeah it, I think it is it is a, a good take on this movie and where it is breaking the it down specifically with this these two people's point of view so it's mainly Louise who's the linguist trying to communicate with Abbott and Costello and Ian, who is dealing, I believe, with the physics of what's going on in this spaceship, which I think is very interesting. And normally we only get like the fighting scenes, you know, like we would probably, if this was like a normal like action sci-fi movie, we would probably be with the general in China, like going after and being like, we have to plan an attack. They said the word weapon, that's a threat. We got to go after them and boiling it down just to that. But no, it's much more complicated than that. We're actually talking about, no, they said weapon, but they don't understand the context of what that means. They only know these amount of words. This is the, these are the symbols we're getting back from them. You're not, they're not understanding fully. So we need to break down the context. And that's why I think it's so refreshing to watch a movie like this, where it's not all about action. It's more about like understanding what's going on. And then a little additive on top of that, I think it's cool that you're watching all these countries in the very beginning working together to try to decipher mm-hmm. what they're saying. And then slowly after that kind of event happens where they're like, oh, it might be a threat. People start branching off and, you know, they're disconnected from the other major countries where at first they were working together to try to solve. And now they yeah. are very, very individual and breaking off and doing everything on their own, which is yes. actually detrimental if you think about it that's like the opposite of what they're trying to do it's like you're trying to communicate with these extraterrestrials when you can't even communicate with each other as a human race yes oh my god perfectly said (laughs) so i have a i have a question for you in this vein that you so expertly set up so you're like the only antagonist in this movie is humanity like you are both the protagonist and the antagonist and then the aliens are just like listen (laughs) hey (laughs) they're like they look like this they look like your hand like yeah but like this but then they're like yeah and they're little like yeah (laughs) they're kind of cute yeah i like them great character design yeah me too yeah on the little the little suckers that that spray out the the spray the the ink I guess that. Yeah, I guess that right <laughs> on the whatever it is. Suction we'll get hole. to the aliens, but I think the society of it all in this is actually really like interesting subtext because it's clearly it's not the core element of the movie, but like I think something that's interesting is they're showing a really authentic version of a very fractured society. Like yeah. exactly what you just said when everyone starts dropping at off the call, like that's heartbreaking that like at humanity's most dire moment that that's what our species mm-hmm. would resort to. And, but it's authentic, like it com- entirely authentic that that would be what ends up happening. So like I mentioned, I think this is Denny Villeneuve's most optimistic film. And that's because at the end of this, essentially what we learn is these aliens have come here. This is all leading to a question. I promise these <laughs> aliens have come to earth to give us this tool, which is their language, which changes the way we think and therefore allows us to perceive time differently. Because in 3000 years, these aliens are going to need humanity's help. I think the optimistic part of this movie for me is like, oh, it's nice to see a movie that thinks humans are gonna exist in 3000 <laughs> <Right>. years. <laughs> so I, I think my question for you is- It's funny. What, 
what do you think humanity does with this gift that the aliens give them? Because we know it's positive because the aliens can see what humanity does with the gift. They wouldn't have given it to us if it was negative. But of course, we're, this is like a dangerous tool potentially being yeah. able to see the future. So like, what do you Absolutely. picture humanity doing with this? Well, yeah. I would like to be, I would like to go back to like the learning of it all where yeah. Louise has clearly written a book about it and she is the foremost expert because she's experienced it in real life. And as we know, she's an incredible teacher. So I think that she uses that to her benefit. I would like to say that she, she informs like the brightest bunch of people, of pupils who want to learn this and they can kind of spread that out. So humanity is now aware of that. I like to think that they incorporated that into the curriculum for all schools starting probably, you know, pre-K even as early as pre-K, but just going in to the school system and teaching that because it is important to know. But with that being said, we are human. And of course, people are going to use that to their advantage and probably in a detrimental way. So that's where I think a sequel comes into play that is actually the action horror sci-fi the departed the departed (laughs) where fittingly everyone dies the rat is actually like i know how to communicate with the aliens major plot twist abbott didn't die abbott's the rat he comes back with little booties on shoots costello who drops his bagels all over the ground yep (laughs) poor oh my god abbott so sad Yes. They saved their lives. Can we talk about the aliens? Yeah. Just like the actual, because you and I love, we love sci-fi. Everyone does. We did Mm -hmm. an extraterrestrials in cinema episode where we talked about close encounters of the third time. We've talked about Mars attacks. Everyone loves an alien. I've talked about how much I love the movie signs. (laughs) Um, We've just talked about war of the worlds. Like everyone loves an alien movie. And I think we love an alien, like a bleak, invasion movie yeah this is not that as we've said this is very much so one the aliens do not have malice they're here for a good reason and um the movie's not even about the aliens like the aliens just happen to be in the movie um but that being said they are a huge key element of the movie um so I just want to talk a little bit about them and, and their design. Denny Villeneuve actually wanted these to be animatronics. Classic Denny. He hates a green screen. Mm-hmm. He'd like to avoid CGI looks, as much as possible. But it looks so good in this movie. It is so good. And he described it in a way where if anyone ever gets the chance to, listening to Denny Villeneuve talk about the way he wants a scene to feel is like, so amazing he talks about there's a great vanity fair breaking down of a scene about the benny jesserit uh sequence in dune uh anyways but he talked about how he wanted the aliens the wanted the audience when they first saw the aliens to feel like the feeling of when you're in the water next to a whale that you're just like you're here and you're not scared like you know this thing technically can't hurt you but also this is so big that you can't even like really perceive the size mm-hmm. of it. And you're also in this vast unknown kind of space. And that's how that s- sequence and every alien scene feels to me is don't you feel like you're yeah. in the water next to this thing where you're like, I feel like I'm in the epitome of danger, mm-hmm. but also quite calm. 
And they're also behind that giant, you know, barrier, right. With all the smoke and the fog. And one thing I love, I love the, I love the design of them. I love how it looks like a hand, you know, it's like, they call them heptapod, I believe is the name for it. So I love how they look like a disfigured kind of hands, kind of spindly and creepy looking. But the thing that I really enjoy is when we see Amy Adams actually kind of being sucked into that area you see that on the top because i always thought it was just like the tentacle section that's what they focus on when she's behind the barrier but when she goes inside you see that there's more to them which also makes sense in terms of like the whole storyline it's like there's more to them than than meets the eye you know like there's a lot more to them than we're seeing which is i guess the point of the movie too and it's kind of like a weird like you like look up and it looks like like you know half a torso of a man with like a head so i thought that was very cool and i think it it does make them very ominous but yeah there is an element like you said there's an element of safety around them where they've never been aggressive even when they say the word weapon i'm like as the viewer I'm like nah like it's miscommunication like you gotta just get to the bottom of it and yeah, you get like frustrated you're like oh that's yeah there's more to it dumb. like if amy adams is saying there's more to it there's more to it you gotta believe her she's the expert in the field and yes. like her being drawn into them and being up close i think makes me feel more safe too like i never at one point thought and even they they save her life they save her and ian you know like it shows that they do care and r.i.p r.i.p abbott and that they came like they knew that was going to happen that's how their brains work that's exactly i never thought about that yeah they know everything that's gonna happen so they knew the bomb was there not because they saw it placed but because they were like oh this explosion is going to happen like this day at this time if that's the way of thinking i just this is an emily madison tangent but have you read project hill mary no so that came out last year and it's a book by the same author who wrote the martian they're making mm-hmm. it into a movie with ryan gosling you would love great it it's about an astronaut who goes into the space to save the world you know like normal space things i'm in yeah no i i mean i think you just said everything you wanted to say uh, everything i wanted to say about the aliens but I also think that like the space, like the space of the spaceship is so cool. And I feel like we just need to shout out the director of photography here, whose name is Bradford Young. This was his first, he'd done cinematography before, but this is his first DOP role. He fucking crushed Mm -hmm. it. The cinematography in this movie is so good. And the physics of it all too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And like the symmetry of it all, but also like this landscapes, like it's so great and it also feels very denny um but he had a quote that i thought was really interesting and he said his entire theme with the aliens was trying to explore darkness not as a frightening thing but as an unknown and that's how the movie yeah. feels yeah oh like you're great. not scared but you know you don't know yeah whatever's gonna happen and to add to that to the cinematography also the music like the score is incredible and i just want to say the name of the composer, one of my favorite names I've ever read. His name is Johan Johansson. So speaking of exploring the unknown, I think that leads us into the point of the episode, which is the twist. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the twist of Arrival. I think this is an interesting movie for me to have chosen for this category because it is certainly a twist I didn't see coming, but I don't think it's a conventional reveal. Like, right. I do. I don't think it's a black and white, like, 
you're watching it, you're watching it, you're watching it. Then there's a reveal. Like, I definitely think that there's phases in which they, they intend to reveal it. I think that the audience understands what's happening before she does. Yeah. I'm wondering, is there any point in the movie for you specifically? Cause I know I have one where you were like, this is clear that this is what's happening, that this, this girl has not been born yet. I think when she's drawing the picture that Hannah's drawing the picture and like the flash forward, I guess you can call it. And she's yeah. like, it's you and daddy. And then the next scene is Amy Adam, or sorry, it's Louise talking to Ian and Matt, Matt's never seen it before we were watching it together. He goes, is he the dad? And I was like, this is it girl. Like, yeah, it is. So that was a point I think where we both kind of like, again, I, this is the second time I watched it, but we're like, that's, that's what it is. Like, this is, the, that was the moment. And it's about halfway through the movie. So it yeah. still takes a little while to get there, but halfway through is like a long time. For sure. And I think that too, like, um, you, you get that clue. And I do think you're like, is he the dad? Yeah. And then you get the line from the daughter. That's about at the same time too. That's like, it's called mommy and daddy talk to animals. Uh huh which feels telling, but I think the real reveal line is when Hannah is talking to Louise and is asking for the zero sum game verbiage. Mm-hmm. She's asking her mom about it. And she's like, no, it's more sciencey. And very pointedly, Louise says, if you want science, call your father. Yeah. And for me, that's when yeah. I was like, yep, this is what's happening. But I think even though when they give you that clue, you still don't quite put all the puzzle pieces together in your head. Right. And I think, but you do by the time Louise like asks Costello, like, I don't understand who is this child? Like by the time Mm -hmm. she formally asks the question, I think we know who it is, Mm -hmm. but, but I do think that this 100% classifies as a, as a plot twist you didn't see coming Mm -hmm. despite the fact that it's revealed in an unconventional kind of tiered way. Right. And then the most obvious point, I think if you didn't get it at those two points, then it's when she's speaking to the general, you know, in that flash forward. And he goes, you told me your wife's, you told me my wife's last dying words. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's like the more obvious moment, I think, which is great because that's, it, it's obvious to people if they haven't known it up until that point, but it also solidifies your theory if you were guessing up to that point what it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's, the reveal is really great because I also think that you think that she knows more as it's happening so getting that to that point yeah exactly I don't understand what's going on and I will say I think the major takeaway from the twist of this movie is that you have to watch this movie twice like it is Mm -hmm. literally a completely different movie when you watch it the second time for so many reasons like it it just has to be watched Mm -hmm. I mean, watch it 10 times, but I do think that the second watch is just like makes it all the much more expert. Yeah. Because when you're watching it and you like usually Sixth Sense is a great example, right? We've never been able to watch like it's a scary movie and sure it satisfies the scary movie itch, mm-hmm. but like it's not a satisfying movie to watch when you know exactly the end of it. But Arrival just feels like you're like further adding pieces to a puzzle. Like it's just so intricate and expertly done that like every time you watch it, you're like, whoa. I might say something controversial. Hit me. But I like this movie more the first time I watched it. 
I did. I think that's okay. And the second time I watched it, and I think it was just because the more, like, I obviously haven't watched it since the first time I've seen it. So this is my second watch. And like, I kind of knew it was coming. I kind of did it. Like I had a funny theory in my brain where I was like, I think that they were communicating with the canary the whole time. <laughs> I thought that was the twist because I didn't remember what the twist was at first. I'm like they're talking to the bird. They're talking to the bird, <laughs> which would have been hilarious, by the way. That would have been a great not, twist. They not, as, not as, not as, not as good. Um, but then I think if I watched it a third time, knowing I would think I would pay more attention to those details. Whereas this time watching it, there was too much time that had passed in between where I was like, I kind of know, kind of don't, but it's still, and like after researching it too, I was like, this is still very good. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I just remembered something that I wanted to say about the screenplay mm-hmm. that I didn't say. Can I say it now? Yes. Time? Yes. So Speaking of everyone having hard jobs, you were talking about the editor having a hard time mm-hmm. making this movie. Clearly, Denny Villeneuve had a hard time. Clearly, Amy Adams, my God, was playing such a complicated character on like a crazy timeline. But um, something that was interesting about the screenplay is the director got to a point where he was had to describe the look of the language of the heptapods. And so he was getting really lengthy and he said that it was like, he was becoming like very novelistic, which he hates in screenplays. He was like, that's mm-hmm. my number one pet peeve is when cool. like <laughs> there's too much exposition in a script. And so he was like at dinner with his wife and he was like, my God, oh, I'm so frustrated. There's yeah. 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 <laughs> you guys were together like, as a nerd. There's yeah. There's two pages of just description about what these like fucking words look like. <laughs> it's so frustrating. And she was like, I can't picture it. Can you just like draw it for me? And so he was like, yeah. So he kind of drew what he was picturing for the thing. And she was like, just put that in the script. And he was like, you can't put graphics in a, can you put graphics in a script? <laughs> so he considered it a language. Like he was like, it's text, it's language. And he put a graphic of the heptapod language into the screenplay. And then from there, they developed a whole dictionary. There's a whole dictionary yeah. of, of heptapod language. So what you're seeing is developed. It's not just may random. I, may I tell you what I thought the story was going towards? I thought you were going to say they were at dinner. He had a beverage. He had his own spritz and a cute little glass with condensation, put it on the script, took it off, looked at that watermark and went, that's it. <laughs> I think by golly, pretend, she's done it. <laughs> I think we should pretend that's actually what happened because it looks like a watermark, but it's beautiful. And I love how they pulled the details off because it's like kind of like a snowflake, like not just one, not one is the same. So it's like they have their same words, but each is unique. Like it might look like a, just a random circle to some people, but no, they have some very specific, like little descriptive, like markings on it that differentiate it from other quote words, which I think is right. very cool. Right. Because I like, love it. What? I love it. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> and like, there's nothing less sensical about that than what humans do for language, which is just like linear writing. writing. Yeah. yeah. Look at all, and like, look at all language. It's even like, you know, sign language, like Chinese characters, Japanese characters, like English, like it, everything looks so different. So it's so cool to see. It's, it's, it's very so fun to watch. Yeah. 100%. And like, the idea, the theory that they discuss, which is the whole, ends up being the whole point of the movie, that the language that you speak dictates the way that you think. Mm-hmm. Did you take, like, foreign language in high school? Spanish. 
Spanish, same. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think this was pretty common or I just remember it being like a common anecdote when I was taking foreign languages. It's like when you're studying really hard for a Spanish test or whatever it may be, you start dreaming in Spanish. Oh, I never got that far. I just think it's interesting that like I scratched the surface of a language and it kind of like infiltrated my brain a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then you think about the fact that like we perceive time linearly, we write linearly, and then it makes so much sense that we're getting a language that does not is not linear in any sense, but we can still understand as humans, this thing means this and this dash means this, but because it's, it's conceived differently. It's perceived differently. Like it completely changes the way. And the only person who it could get into their minds that much is a linguistics professor. Right. And that's, I never thought about this. And that's a really interesting point, like in terms of like how linear it is, like even language for us, but their language is circular. And even when they spread all the little circles and it doesn't have any sort of pattern to it, it actually does. And if you think about the circles, they're, their uh their sense of time is kind of like a circle because you can access it from any point which i think it's again it just it it just lays a really nice hand to like whatever the design of the language is in terms of the communication of the film so good job for whoever made the language up i guess denny denny and his wife and their and their uh moisture circles that we're saying is correct but <laughs> yeah yeah that was the that was this that was the screenwriter but will yeah. um We'll put a screen. We'll put a screenshot of the, of the screenplay of the script in in our Instagram. Oh, and do you have photos of? Do you see photos of the language? I do have a screenshot awesome. of the script because it's it looks like a screenplay, and then all of a sudden it's just like a little <gasps> coffee blob. Yeah. So Madison, with all that yeah. being said, I think mm-hmm. that this next question ties in nicely, uh, kind yeah. of for the for part of the end of our episode. But uh, at one point, Louise asks Ian. And I'm going to ask you the same question. Oh, would you change anything in your life if you could see your whole life from start to finish? It's hard. I mean, it's an impossible question to answer because I can only answer it up till now. Yeah. Right. Like I, cause I can't see, I don't know what the rest of my life looks like. I think I'm going to go with the Louise of it all and say no. And I think what's hard is like, I think you asked that question perfectly, firstly, because I think that there could have been a question out of this that's like, if you knew a child was going to die, would you still yeah. have the child? Would it's you still get married? Right. And and I just think that's not a fair question to ask because she didn't just know of the child. She knew and loved the child already. Mm-hmm. So of course she had the child, but you also can't blame the Jeremy Renner character who didn't understand or know any of this and then got angry and upset, right. About like, you knew this horrible, the most horrible thing in my life was going to happen and you let it happen. Right. Yeah. So like, you can't blame either character. So I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to your question, but I'm going to say no. If I, up until this point, would I change anything about my life? If I could see it from start to finish, I would just say no. For the day yeah. you knew of, of it all. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. And my answer is the exact same. It's and the same. it's a little Good. bit different. The explanation is a little bit different where I'm like, I don't know anything else. Like I don't know my life in any other world or in uh, any other way. Like I'm used yeah. to this life and I don't need to know 
what happens or what happened. I already know what happened in the past. I don't really know, need to know what happens in the future because I don't know any different. So yeah, I'm happy with the way my life is right now. And it sounds so cheesy to say this, but like, I think the more like common version of this question that we ask ourselves as humans is like, when we're on our deathbed, are we going to have regrets? Like, are we going to look back at our life and are we going to have regrets? And that's the, this movie is asking that question in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us are hoping the answer to that question is no. Like we're hoping we're going to be on our deathbed and we're going to be very at peace and we're not going to have regrets. And I think that just the answer is probably so so in the gray area for everyone which is we mm-hmm. are all going to wish that we had done fit something differently when we're on our deathbed so there's things that like you can harp on and there's things that you can have wished or wanted to change but it's just like it's what you do with that knowledge and whether right. you consider that a regret right. or it's all subjective right because so. like bad things that happen in life are also could be a benefit sometimes right, you, like you learn from your mistakes that's a thing for you know my god yes says. yeah like I, I i've become a better person from the dumb shit that i did you know what i mean so yeah and i think that are. you know you and me have become better people from the bad things that have been done to us like yes. i wouldn't take those things back either and i think that we're seeing that just in its its purest form in this movie which is something pure and amazing it becomes a loss right for for this character and I think that usually it's much more complicated than that but yeah I think that's I I think what we're all hoping to feel is like understanding and also at peace with our regrets maybe yeah agreed well said I think to wrap this episode up I would just like to bring it full circle, which is at the beginning of this <laughs> full, episode. Full circle. Full, it's like the language <laughs> that they should speak on. I love us. To bring it full circle. <laughs> Very full circle back way back to the beginning of this episode. The first thing we talked about this episode, it was Stranger Things. And I would just like to point out that Sean Levy, the creator and producer of Stranger Things, produced Arrival. Oh my god, I didn't know. <laughs> yes, he also produced um the Unsolved Mystery series on Netflix, the new one, which oh. is great. And he also directed Cheaper by the Dozen, starring Steve Martin. <laughs> we love that film. Go shout out Sean Levy. You're doing your wow. God's work. Jeez Louise. Good for him. What a Jeez, diverse geez. catalog but, of projects. But, you know, all about love. Sometimes the pe- aliens. The people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Either family yeah. or aliens, which like same. That's our lives. Mm-hmm. Either people or aliens. But anyways, Emily, all this said, something I wish I could see into the future about that unfortunately (laughs) cannot because time is linear. But we are here. We are at this point in our linear timeline in the episode. What's the timestamp? I'm not sure, but I'm so excited. Please tell me what movie are we watching next week? Okay. (laughs) I give you no hints. I give you no hints leading up to this. But um... I don't know anything. I'm so cool. Any direction. I rewatched this movie. I've watched this movie dozens, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Uh, watched it again last week and I was like, I'm fucking covering this with Madison. The hard part is deciding a genre because it's 
it fits into many categories. And I workshopped this and I came up with a genre today. So Madison, next time we meet to record, we are going to talk about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and other questionable adult role models. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not yeah. the new Willy Wonka in the Char- Charlie right. and the Chocolate Factory. This is Gene Wilder, of course. Like, this is OG. And there's so many categories that we could have talked about, but this is the one that I think we can go further into because there's a lot of shit that happens in this motherfucking chocolate factory. Augustus. Uh, Watching it. He actually never tells the kids that they're not allowed to drink from the chocolate river. So I was like, not Augustus's fault. Listen, I feel like he says everything is edible. He's one of the reasons. (laughs) Yeah. He is not a good role model is he is not really good at setting boundaries. Yeah. When you let kids loose in a co- chocolate factory, they're going to dive into that chocolate river. Honestly, yeah. justice for Augustus. We should, we'll have a whole campaign about it, but I have a lot of Hashtag he's justice not, for Augustus. And you know what? Just putting this out there. He's not the only role model in that movie to Charlie Bucket. So anyway, we're going to talk about that next week. But with that said, just please remember to follow us on Instagram uh, at Real Friends Pod. Very important. And mm-hmm. also please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, and tell who should people tell Madison? I think people definitely got to tell Denny V about us. Of course, I think he would really like our podcast because he, he would love you. He would fucking love you. <laughs> Stop! Oh my God, he'd be like, "You haven't seen Blade Runner." <laughs> I don't know what he sounds like. <laughs> that would be me. And I'm like, I have seen it, Denny. I need you to explain it to me in detail. <laughs> Denny, I've seen it. I just don't understand. Denny, I'm so tired. I'm tired, I Denny. Loved, but I love Dune. I love Dune. More, what's his name? Duncan Idaho. <laughs> like the best fucking name. I was like, oh, this is like Gloopty Glork and Goobly Do, and this is Duncan Idaho. <laughs> Like, okay, those are two names I'm familiar with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's your I feel quote. like, yeah, I actually know what movie that's from, too. I'm pulling it from something. But anyway, thank you. And that's Shababy. <laughs> and that's Shababy. See you Shababy's next baby. Next, not next week, because we're bi-weekly, no. but we'll see you the Monday after that. I'll see you next week, probably. I'll see you next week. It's going to be so cute and fun. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.